pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We have to talk Browns football on a Friday. Whether they're playing, whether they're not playing on a, you know, a weekend. So let's bring in right now the outstanding Browns beat reporter, for brownzone.com, you can read him in the Medina Gazette, Chronicle Telegram, follow him on Twitter, at Scott Petrak. He is Scotty Petrak. Scotty, how are you today? I'm good. How are you doing? Hey, we're great. Thanks for making time for us. Scotty, there was an odor that seemed to be uh, making its way from Berea uh, down south this week uh, you know, to Canton. We, we smelled it in the air, and it just happened to be right after the Andrew Berry press conference. Uh, Scotty, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. Everything is just uh, hunky-dory, and the, the wide receivers are great, and Dorian Thompson-Robinson's the right backup quarterback, and we don't need any running backs. I mean, come on, Scotty. What did you take away from that? Yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying, and it's, you know, the timing of it's interesting because it comes at the bye, obviously, and that's when he does his at the bye news conference. Um, but it's coming after 23 loss to the Ravens. So if it had been a week earlier when they beat the Titans 27-3, I don't think anybody would have a problem with, hey, we got what we need. Um, but nothing looked good Sunday against the Ravens, so everything Andrew Barry says is kind of looked at with the side eye. Scotty, from what you've seen with this team, and they're 2-2, two and two, and it's hard to believe because when they lose, it, it's really bad. And the sky is falling because we expect them to be better. But did they take a step backwards in this Ravens game? You know what? I, I'm going to say no. The defense did not play as well as it had been. So if you want to call that a, a step backward, I think you can. Um, I think it's probably unrealistic to think the defense was going to play at the level it did the first three games. Lamar Jackson's really good and makes plays. Uh, offensively, obviously they were terrible, mm-hmm. but in my opinion, I think you can blame that on Dorian Thompson Robinson. I thought the quarterback did not play like an NFL quarterback should play. And when that happens, you have little to no chance to win the game. So that's how I'm viewing that gloss of the Ravens. That's fair enough. Offensively, they're challenged. We know that. And when you lose Nick Chubb, we knew it was going to be a long stretch. And ever since that's happened, the one thing that we know is there's been a lot of talk about, oh, maybe we add to this team. Maybe we go get some more playmakers. And without any draft capital, do you see the Browns trying to go? And I know the running back in Indianapolis, that's a far stretch. But do you think they need more help at receiver? Um, you know, it, it's an interesting one. Um, and I like Amari Cooper is your number one. Mm-hmm. I think Elijah Moore is going to get better as the season goes on. They still need to figure out the right way to use him. Donald Peoples-Jones is Donald Peoples-Jones. Um, I don't know. Like You can make that argument, and uh-huh. I would say, okay, I completely understand what you're saying. Maybe you add somebody to the pile. But whoever you add has to be better than DPJ, right? Because DPJ is a legitimate number three in this league, I think. Uh-huh. And that's where he's playing. So I, I think what's more important is, you figure out a way to get Elijah Moore more involved and better involved. He caught nine passes against the Titans, but it wasn't a super productive uh-huh. night, right? It was nine for 49. And I think in the same vein is Marquise Goodwin. 
We talked a lot in the offseason about Marquise Goodwin, right. and I know he missed training camp in the preseason because of the blood clots, but he's supposed to stretch this def- stretch the defense and make this offense more explosive and deep threats. And we saw a little bit of that in the opener, but not, or Deshaun Watson missed him twice in the rain, and we haven't really seen it since. So I think if you figure out a way to better utilize those guys, then we're not having the same discussion about the receiving core. Scotty, I don't blame DTR because he's not an NFL quarterback. He played five years in college for a reason. He was a fifth-round pick for a reason. They elevated him to number two. He's not ready. I blame Andrew Barry more than I blame DTR for making him the backup quarterback on what they think is a Super Bowl contending team. I mean, that's completely legitimate, Kenny. Um, and especially the way Joshua Dobbs is playing with the Cardinals, right? And that's yeah. your front office's job to know that. Who's better right now? Is it Dobbs or is it DTR? And, you know, that's not the only part of that decision when they decided to make the trade, right? It freed up a roster spot because they were going to keep three, Watson, Dobbs, and DTR. So by getting rid of Dobbs, it freed up another roster spot a fifth safety or a sixth receiver, whatever that mm-hmm. wound up being. Um, you know, there's a little bit of money issue involved. You get to move up in the draft from seventh to fifth round, which, you know, is negligible, but the fifth round picks you can use in trades, right? So there's some value there. But to me, they decided that Dobbs was not mm-hmm. significantly better than DTR. And I think that argument was plausible in August because we hadn't seen Dobbs play a lot. DTR had a really good preseason. Um, you know, he was good at UCLA. And, you know, Dobbs played a couple games at the end with Tennessee last year, but was fine, but nothing great. You know, like didn't make the playoffs. What cut, what use it this year, is, or excuse it right now, is that Dobbs has been good for Arizona, right? He won a game. He hasn't thrown an interception. His quarterback or his passer rating is almost 100. And when you, can, you contrast that with what DTR did against the Ravens, it looks like a terrible idea to trade him. Scotty, this team's banged up. We know offensively the quarterback didn't start last week. What about our center, Ethan Posich? Will he play next week, or, or do we roll with Nick Harris? I mean, the hope is he plays. He, you know, Kevin Spence called him day-to-day. Say it was probably, unre- I don't know if he said unrealistic or whatever the phrase was, that if they had a game this Sunday, he probably would not play. Okay. But he got has an extra week to recover. So the hope is he plays. Um, if not, you have Nick Harris. Um, it's not going to be a long-term thing for Posick. So whether it's against the Niners next Sunday or the week after against the Colts, he should be back pretty soon. I'm happy to have Scott Petrak with us, brownzone.com, Browns beat reporter. And, okay, that's fine, and we can wonder. Uh, I had friends of mine on Facebook that saw uh, Miles Garrett out the other night at some store or whatever, and he wasn't in a walking boot and wasn't walking with a limp. So, uh, whatever that was, he seems to be fine. But what about Deshaun Watson? What should we think for next Sunday, right? He was supposed to play this week, and he doesn't. And they're telling us, well, we expect him to play next. How do we know for sure, you know, that that's going to be the case again next week? And then if not, you've got to send DTR against San Francisco. How concerning is that? Well, I mean, if it were DTR against San Francisco, it would be hugely concerning. Um, you know, San Francisco might be the best team in the league. So, um, yeah, that would be a huge issue. And I think your expectations for that game would be a, a sizable loss, um, just given what we saw against the Ravens. But the optimism that Watson will play is that it's two more weeks. And 
The Browns keep saying there's no structural damage in there. So it's not a separation. It's not a torn rotator cuff, a torn labrum, any of that. It's a bruise. And we know those affect people differently. We know bruises can be different. And this one obviously bothered Watson enough where he didn't throw a full-speed pass all week. Um, But you would assume and hope and whatever, expect, that in two weeks that bruise heals enough that Watson can throw it at a level that he's comfortable with. You guys in the last two statements have each mentioned upcoming opponents. Scotty, you mentioned the Colts. Kenny, you mentioned the 49ers. And I go back to this, adding playmakers to this offense, and I go back to the way – that the 49ers last year add Christian McCaffrey, second round, third round, fourth round, and a fifth round in 2024. Is it that out of the question that people keep talking about this? And since you mentioned the Colts, and I have to ask the question, is there a chance that they might go after a Jonathan Taylor and maybe look for, uh, I, I know the Colts probably want a first rounder, we don't have one, but if the 49ers could get Christian McCaffrey for second, third, and fourth round picks, is there a chance the Browns could go after Jonathan Taylor? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a chance, right? Andrew Barry's shown to be aggressive. Obviously, you would assume there's a need there, given the fact that they lost Nick Chubb, and Jonathan Taylor is on that level, right? He was a 2021 NFL rushing champion. So that's the kind of guy that could step in and, quote-unquote, replace a Nick Chubb. Having said that, the Browns would have to give up significant draft capital. I don't know if that's two twos, a two and a three, well, at least a two, Right. And we know that they gave a bunch of picks away for Watson, and they're still not done with the Watson. Mm-hmm. Um, on top of that, Taylor wants a new contract. So I don't, know if the, I don't know if he would agree to come here. I don't know if that's part of the agreement he has with the Colts, but I don't think he's come here without getting an extension. Well, the Browns aren't going to give an extension. I don't think the Browns want to pay another running back ever $10 million plus, and that's the kind of money Taylor would be looking for. So if you could get him on – a short-term deal for the last 13, 12 games for a second-round draft pick, that's worth considering. Um, But I certainly got the impression from Andrew Barry that they're not in a hurry to do that, that they like the running back room. And I think it's important, right, obviously there's a drop-off from Nick Chubb to Jerome Ford, right? There's no doubt about Mm -hmm. it. But Kareem Hunt is still ramping back up from not having been in a camp, not having played in the preseason. He will get a bit, have a bigger role as the season goes on. They play two good run defenses in the Titans and the Ravens, and I think the Niners are good too, so I don't know how much you can gauge off of that. But as the season goes on, they're going to play teams that aren't as good against the run. I think the line didn't block as well as it can and should and needs to, so it's not just a running back issue. And I, I believe that with the bye week, that's their number one thing that's looking to fix is the run game, and they will make internal improvements that make – Obviously, Taylor would be a, an improvement overall, but I don't think that's necessary for this run game to be successful. And if you have a quarterback playing at a high level, that again reduces the need for a big-time running back. Scott Petrak, could it not be the running backs? Could it be the offensive line with Jed Turnstile Wills uh, you know, at left tackle <laughs> and a rookie and Dewan Jones, who's played fairly well but still is a rookie at right tackle, and Wyatt Teller has had a horrible start to the season? Well, I, I'm kind of glad you mentioned Teller, Kenny, because we talked about this. I have a soft spot for Jed Wills. I don't think he's, I don't think he's great. I'm not even sure he's good. I think he's better than his critics give him credit. Um, but people, nobody picks on Wyatt Teller, and I think Wyatt Teller, like you said, has had a rough start to this season. Um, so yeah, it is. I don't think it is all running back. And when you look at 
you know, watching Chicago last night, right? The guy, whoever was running for them, I don't even know who it was, had some big runs. And it's because the holes are there and the holes are big. And we've seen that from the Browns in the past. We've seen it from lesser teams. We've seen it from Miami. Miami doesn't have any stud running backs, and they can run the ball. So it's more than just who you have in the backfield. It is about the whole concept. It's about the guys up front. And they were not good enough against the Titans or the Ravens. And the offensive linemen talked about being one-on-one and missing blocks. And I think if you go rewatch the game, you can see it from all five guys. At one time or another, missed a chance to – sustain a block that leads to a better gain in the run game. And, yeah, you see that from Jed Wills, but you also see it from Teller, and you see it across the line. And Dewan Jones, as good as he's been in pass protection, and I think he's been a pleasant surprise being forced into action, he is not nearly as good in the run game. And his teammates say that, his coaches say it, and the PFF grades say the same thing. So he needs to get better for this run game to be as good as it can be. All right, what about this? JT brought this up the other day, and uh, I started thinking about it. The original position for the number one draft pick, 10th overall four years ago, Jed Wills, was right tackle at Alabama, right? What about the possibility of moving him to right tackle and DeWan Jones over to left tackle if he's a better pass blocker? Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting thought. Um, To me, Jed Wills' issues are not the fact he's on the left side. Right, like it's it's the ability to finish. It's are you playing every snap with the same intensity? I don't think it's a left side, right side thing. I, I just don't. And yeah, he gets beat every once in a while. I don't think he gets beat as many as much as people think he gets beat. Um, and I think Dewan Jones, while he might project to be a left tackle in the future, I don't think he's there yet. I don't think he's a better pass blocker right now than Jed Wilson. I really don't. Um, so. And, and Jones played mostly right tackle at Ohio State. He was better at right tackle than he was at left tackle. So I don't think they're going to change it, and I think at least for the rest of the season, um, it makes sense to keep it status quo. Scott Petrak, our guest. Follow him on Twitter on a daily basis. at Scott Petrak. Read him daily as well. Brownzone.com. All right, Scotty. Baltimore all alone in first place. Ironically, Pittsburgh and Cleveland, uh, and that game was awful a couple weeks ago. They're 2-2, two and two, tied for second, and Cincinnati's bringing up the rear. Give me Scott Petrak's assessment through the first four weeks, not just of the Browns, but of the AFC North. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest surprise to me is Cincinnati. And, you know, I've, you know, I've watched them play at least twice, right, the full games. And it's hard for me to gauge exactly how much of that is Joe Burrow, right, the calf but not having played in the preseason, not, it's not really preseason, not having practiced for almost all of training camp, that has had a huge impact. But from people in Cincinnati, it sounds like it goes beyond just the borough cast. So they have some issues to figure out, right? Is the lead caught up to Zach Taylor, right? Everybody hated Zach Taylor, and all of a sudden Joe Burrow played great. Everybody loves Zach Taylor. Well, now, you know, Burrow doesn't play so great. Is it a Zach Taylor issue again? So I think they need to figure that out. T. Higgins has not been the same receiver he is. I mean, he's a big-time receiver, and he, you know, he didn't have a catch against the Browns. I think it was a Monday night game against the Rams. I saw him drop multiple passes. Now he's trying to fight through a broken rib. I think it's a cracked rib. Um, so they have some issues there. I'm stunned that they're 1-3. and three. I would expect them to rally. I think they're too good not to. But you know how this league works. If you dig yourself a big enough hole, it's tough to climb out of. Um, I think the Ravens are legit. I don't think they're great. Um, but they're gritty, and Lamar's playing at a really high level. So 
they have to be the favorite to win this division. And then, you know, Pittsburgh to Pittsburgh, and they're going to hang around 500. So I do think there's a chance here for the Browns, but that's what makes that loss Sunday so bad is if they had won that, then I think the Browns are the favorite in the division. Yeah, I agree with that, yeah. too. And unfortunately, these are the things we have to talk about because they do lay eggs against teams that we thought that they might win when they were favored, like the Ravens, and at Pittsburgh, too. So you still, at the bye week after a 2-2 a two and two start, don't know who this team is, and yet you look at other teams that started off slowly, like the Buffalo Bills, might be the class of the entire league. You mentioned the 49ers. Well, Bills are right there on their heels. And last night after the game, the Bears trade their wide receiver, Chase Claypool, to the Dolphins, making another AFC opponent maybe a little bit stronger. I don't know. Kenny, you're not high on that kid, and I get it, and I understand that he's been a head case at Pittsburgh. Maybe he was in Chicago, too, and, Scotty, maybe that's the reason they traded him. But another name that we keep hearing a lot about is Jerry Judy in Denver. Now, if the Bears can trade this guy for a sixth-round pick, would the Browns be interested in bringing back or bringing Jerry Judy? They, They were interested in him last year, but they brought in or went after Elijah Moore instead. Any interest in uh, Jerry Judy, the wide receiver in Denver? I think it's too soon to go there. I think they need to give more, um, more of a chance, see if he can have a big contribution. Um, you know, and again, I, I'm going to go back to it again. I know we're all focused on 23, and I get it. But the week before when they, you know, they blow out the Titans, yep. I don't know if we're questioning the receiving mm-hmm. core as much, right? Amari Cooper had a huge game. Elijah Moore has nine catches. So, yes, there are question marks there, and I think the reason they're still being asked is because they're the same questions we had all offseason. Do they do enough to help the right. receiving core? Um, but you're not getting Jerry Judy for a six-rounder. You've got to give up something significant to get him. Okay. And, you know, this team doesn't have a ton of those now. But when we get close to the deadline, if things are still sluggish, if the pass game still hasn't been figured out, then, yeah, then that's something the Browns could explore. Um, but, it, you know, it comes down to the talent evaluation, right? If Andrew Ray thought this roster was good enough, um, you know, if you keep going and getting big pieces and big pieces, you can only do so much of that. Like, you have limited resources. Scotty, we haven't talked about Kevin Stefanski, so let's do that right here. How do you think he's done through the first four games? Because, to me, this was a pivotal season for him. He's on the hot seat in my eyes. So through four games, yeah, he loses Chubb, he loses Conklin, and then Watson says he can't play. So, yeah, th- those are you know uh, tough cards you're dealt right there. Well, as a head coach, you're, you're supposed to find ways to win. He's 2-2, two and two, so where would you or how would you assess him? You know, I, I think he's probably a two, or he is a two and two coach. I think that's probably about right. Um, I, I think you can make a lot of rationalizations for Kevin Stefanski this year, and I don't think, to me, they don't feel like excuses, right? They could have beaten Pittsburgh if Jed Wills comes off the line on that one play, if Deshaun Watson doesn't, you know, turn the ball over as many times as he did. Um, David Njoku, like, first of all, they're turning the ball over a ton which, you know, I don't think you put a ton of that on the coach. I know he preaches it nonstop, don't turn the ball over, and they have. Um, and then the, not, the Ravens game, you can, I think you can nitpick certain calls, but my overreaching thing is DTR was so bad, it didn't matter what play calls mm-hmm. Kevin Stansky was going to call. Mm-hmm. It's not like they were running it great because they weren't. Your quarterback's got to make some throws, and DTR just was not capable of making those throws. So I'm not saying Stefanski's been perfect, but I do not blame him for the two losses. 
his job as the coach to get that backup quarterback ready. I'm not going to go down that road right now, Scotty, because oh, you know stinks. what? Listen. We can be as negative as we want to be every Friday at 4 o'clock, but there's got to be some positives. This team is 500. What do you like in this team, Scott Petrak? It starts with the defense. Um, and, you know, it didn't play great against the Ravens, but, you know, two of the four touchdowns were short fields. One was really short field mm-hmm. after DTR interception. So they let up two sustained touchdown drives in the second quarter, which is unlike them. Um, Namar's going to make plays. Like, I think the defense is going to be fine as long as the big guys stay healthy. I think Denzel Ward's playing at a high level. Miles um, Garrett is certainly playing at a high level. Zadarius Smith, like, there's a bunch of guys playing really well on that side of the ball. I think if you have the defense playing like it is, and Deshaun Watson plays in the plays, number one, and then plays in the ballpark of how he did against Tennessee, this team is going to be in just about every game. Scotty, we always appreciate the time. Enjoy the bye week this weekend. We'll talk to you again next Friday, all right? Thanks, fellas. Scott Petrak checking in. Brownzone.com. Follow him on Twitter for the latest on the Browns.